Welcome to JavaScript Jam Live. Ooh, yeah, buddy. Hey. All right. Welcome to JavaScript Jam Live. We do this every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, yeah, this is a very much a open mic night kind of thing where we talk about web development and JavaScript related things. No singing required. <laughs> no singing required. Yeah. yeah. But still encouraged. It's absolutely. Yeah. It, no karaoke, but maybe we can do oh, it. Anthony's going to outclass us all. If it becomes a musical talent. And Scott's a better singer than you think. Scott's a pretty good singer. <laughs> okay, I'll just speak for myself. But go awesome. ahead, keep going, Scott. Yeah, so yeah, thank you all so much for joining us today and every single day that you do come here. Whether you're a beginner developing or maybe you've been doing this for a very long time, it doesn't matter. We love to hear from everybody. In fact, actually, that's when we get the most value from this is when we have people contributing from the audience here. So we would love it if you would love to join in. Just request to come up. And we'll bring you up. You can ask a question or state an opinion or a fact or whatever it might be. We would love to hear from you. It's going to make things just that much better. Yeah. So with that being said, we have our co-hosts, Anthony and also Ishan here. And now Anthony is actually officially part of our team. By the way. Officially official. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. What we mean by that is we all work for EO, and I'm actually the technical community manager with Edgeo. Ishan, I'll let you introduce yourself and Anthony as well. But yeah, we're going to get started today. And today's our traditional kind of open mic thing. We're not having a guest today. So we're going to have a lot of fun as always looking forward to it. Ishan, I'll let you start off and we'll go from there. Yeah, as Scott said, we're starting the new year with the original open mic format, so agenda is driven by you. So really interested to hear what everyone said, has to say. I'm Ishan, VP of Product at Edgeo, and I'm also excited today because I officially get to introduce Anthony as our co-host. He has joined Edgeo as a developer advocate. I'll let Anthony introduce himself and say a little bit more, and then we can kick it off with whatever people want to talk about it. Hello, thank you. Yes, I'm a developer advocate at Edgeo. You could maybe even say I'm the developer advocate at Edgeo, and I'm very excited to start just getting into it. I've already been very involved with the general JavaScript Jam stuff, and I feel like Edgeo is a super cool platform, but there's not really a lot of people out there making noise about it and creating cool content about it, so I'll be doing that and just engaging in the community as I already do a lot of. Yeah, check out, if you haven't already, Anthony has his own podcast, FS Jam, that he's had for a while. And then you just started, I think, a Twitch stream. Is that correct? Yeah, called AJC and the Web Devs. Yeah, so definitely check that out. He's really active around around the web, which is another reason why we're so excited to have him. For those of you who are on our newsletter, you got a, an email where we talked about 2022 in retrospect and 2023 looking forward as one potential topic to cover, but we're being audience-driven as much as possible. I know Eric in the past have asked us to go back to this format, so I'm very happy to do that today. And I'm really curious if there's anything top of your mind. I know when we used to use this format, your Twitter feed was always a great source of, of stuff to talk about that was very current and topical in the ecosystem. I encourage anyone to raise their hand. I see Eric and Carol, you're up. Eric, I think you were first. If you, there's something you want to talk about or introduce, let's chat about it, or I can go with the 2023 predictions or 2022 in review. 
Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's great, great to be back. Top of my mind is that I lost my job at the end of December. <laughs> so I... Oh, man. Yeah. So Sorry I... Yeah, it's... The runway ran out, so to speak. And so I've been in the interview process for several companies, which is... It is always an interesting thing. It I, it feels like you're in the digestive tract of, of different companies where different companies want to ask you different things, and some some want, some of them want to have you interview with twelve different people of the twenty people team, and others are just like with two interviews. They're like, yeah, all right, you want to work with us or not? And that's been interesting. But yeah, so if you want to ask me anything about that particular process in December 2022 and 2023, I've been all up in that. I've, I'm not too worried about my prospects. I like, I have a couple offers already and I'm playing the field as it would, as it is. No, no offers from you guys at Edgeo yet. Just saying. We didn't know you were on the market. Ah, so anyway, so that's been fun. And, and yeah, just uh, previously, I, in like in December, I sort of wanted to talk about my experience at, at Micro Frontends, the disastrous conference in London. That was interesting. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. We actually were planning, it was on our list of potential places to, to go to and sponsor and we ran out of bandwidth to do that because of other conflicts. Boy, you got lucky. Uh, yeah, it seems like it was definitely a mixed bag for some people. I I do appreciate that there's a lot of work it takes to put these things on, but I read a bunch of that. So there's a lot to unpack there. So going back to Eric, what you're talking about, there's a lot to unpack there. There's the micro front, the front ends conference in London. I forget the actual name. I don't think it was micro front ends. It was like no, no modern front ends. Modern oh, front ends. Thank you. Yes, wrong. thank you. Before we get to that though. Look, it was a theme of the last 2022 was the macroeconomic environment and its impact on our ecosystem, which certainly during the pandemic, at initially, but to the later stages of the pandemic, the, the developer ecosystem was less affected. But certainly at the end of 2022, we saw at Meta, we saw at Facebook, various other places. Yep. So definitely very topical. I'm curious what you're seeing from companies right now, are they being more selective? Are you seeing more, I guess, competition or candidates than you expected for the same positions? What are you seeing compared to what you expected? What's say from a year ago? Yeah. So the, it's my understanding that starting in early 2022, the venture capital folks started tightening their fists around their money in a prescient, like the economy was going down and it's not the same thing when the economy is booming where you can just conjure money out of nowhere somehow. Or when it seems like it works. money is being printed and is no longer happening. As sure. And so in that scenario, there's lots of money to go around and all the startups are flush and, and hiring. And that's a different thing. But in 2022, especially towards the end of 2022 it's i don't know if i coined this term if i heard someone say this it feels like a vc winter like everyone's battening down the hatches and huddling with their money close to their chest because the economy needs to get through this time 
And so there was more, more selective investments going on, we'll say. And if you were a startup with a track record that wasn't like you had to be the best of the best to get VC money. And however, there are still companies that raised a bunch before that happened and or were one of the best that do still have money to hire people. Superbase, um, they raised like 80 million <laughs> last year. Exactly. So there's a bunch of companies that are flush with six years of runway or whatever that that are still looking for the best of the best developers. But but a lot of places I've talked to have told me, yeah, we're on an engineering hiring freeze for the foreseeable future. And that goes with all of the big all of the big companies, all the Facebooks and the Twitters and stuff that are laying people off. They're like there's the money's not flowing like it once did and hopefully will again. But yeah, I think uh, that's accurate from what I've seen and talking to other people as well, all of what you said. But as for candidates, I don't know. I don't know what recruitment processes you guys have been through, but no one ever tells me how many candidates are up for this role. Or at least that's not, that's, I could ask that, but a lot of the people that are wooing me at the moment are wooing me rather than trying to fit a role because that's a super luxurious position that I find myself in. But uh, they, yeah, I don't really know. I imagine there must be a bunch of people out on the market that are X Twitter or whatever. There's a couple things that I found interesting there that you were talking about. The hiring freeze reminds me of a blog post. I'm trying to find it right now that I saw that basically said, don't pay attention to the layoffs or the layoffs don't tell the whole story. The real story is actually hiring freezes. And that's where the real impact of the economy happens. And layoffs tend to be known about, but hiring freezes are more in secret. And what happens is, what really matters is when people get laid off, are they able to get to a new job? And he had some really interesting data that shows when there's freezes versus when they're not. That's when it really impacts the economy. Because if people can transition within enough time to a job, then it's less impactful. I'm trying to find it right now. Yeah, it's, like, it's yeah. especially a tough time right yeah. now if you're a beginner. If you're someone who's trying to get their first tech job, Like that's a really rough spot to be right now, I think. Yeah, I would definitely imagine that's the case. And I totally hear that most people don't tell you how many other candidates there are, but you can get a sense from how quickly they try to close or extend the process. In your case, I totally can imagine it's more people trying to craft something for someone like yourself. And the holidays have thrown a wrench in the machine too, because like when I announced that I needed a job at the end of the year in, I don't know, maybe December 13th or whatever it was, like I got a bunch of... I had a whole bunch of interviews for two weeks and then Christmas happened and, and it slowed ev and everything was like, okay, we can't, like, I was hoping that like by the end of the year I would have a decision, but no people, different people, the CTO was on vacation and then this other person was on vacation and it uh, slowed everything down. But yeah, 
We'll see. I totally expect that, whether it's hiring or deals or the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like if when you're doing it this time of the year, like try to hold out like it because this, this freeze won't. It's not going to last much longer, especially once the holidays roll back around. People can't sit still. Funds start pouring into somewhere. If money's sitting on the sidelines, it's going to end up going somewhere. And tech is always a likely place for it to go. Um, OK, but what do you mean by hold out? Holding out on dates, like as far as if you're looking for more competitive offers, there's going to be more once you get about three quarters of the way through january interest will start to spark back up again okay but so how long is it rude to sit on an offer if i have an if i had an offer yesterday if i wait three weeks is that like a jerk move or no, if the offer is not think super, I'm sure it's a reasonable offer or whatever it might be. But if it's not super compelling, put a button in it, follow up with them. Let them know you're doing your holidays thing or whatever you're doing. And you'll get back to them by a certain date and they'll be fine. If they want to hire someone else, they might hire someone else. But you sh- you're not going to have problems finding anywhere to go. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I'm all about, I like for, especially like talented engineers, you know, you have value. You're a very skilled individual. People are lucky to have you that get you. Absolutely. And I also think that that going that route that just, that Daniel just spoke of is going to make people want you even more. Like those people that were seeking you and that you did interview with, they're going to be like, oh, like he's not (laughs) clawing at us to, to join us. Yeah. It's like hard to get, they call that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You can put it in that work. Yeah. Remember there's a ton, there's a ton of companies with payroll. There's only one Eric. There you go. See, if they could just all give me all their payroll, then that'd be <laughs> exactly. So I, um, I've been following. I see that Jason had his hand up, but he took it down. Jason, I'll let you speak in a second or give you an intro. But there's a guy I follow. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He has a website, Pragmatic Engineer. He talks a lot about these pragmatic parts of hiring and layoffs and stuff like that. So I just pulled him up, and I noticed. It looks like he's saying that Salesforce just let go of 10% of his staff, of their staff, and Vimeo 11%. He said one sad prediction for January 2023 is that tech layoffs will pick up again following the holiday break. And in 2023, we'll have reduced budgets put in place. And then he says today, Salesforce let go of 10%, Vimeo 11%. We will hear lots of similar announcements in the next week. Just as I was pulling it up. Hot off the press news that we're just hearing that's relevant to the topic at hand. Yeah, he's the uh, he's the most he's the most popular Substack of in tech, I think. Oh, really? He is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I'd agree. Uh, His coverage of the economic conditions and the tech industry have been pretty spot on. So if you're yeah, I, for... I've, I've actually DM'd with him a couple times because because he was a user of my previous company software. But yeah, he's got a pretty oh, good uh, podcast on. Yeah. The heck? He, he was on. I can't uh, think of it right now. I can look at the Tim Ferriss podcast. Oh, he was probably on several podcasts. But... He's on lots of podcasts, but yeah, he's he's successfully tra- transitioned from engineer to pundit in a way that the rest of us level up engineering with the podcast <laughs> I was thinking of by Coding Sand. He did a yeah. good one on there. If you want to give it a go, listen. So how do how do I pronounce his name, Eric? You said it earlier. I'd, I'd love to know. Jersey, I think. Okay. Jersey? Okay, I'll have to practice that. Uh, the his last coverage part, is really, really interesting. What do you, do you agree with most of his coverage from your personal experience? How has it reflected what, what you've seen firsthand? I follow him on the Twitters and I don't really investigate his conclusions. Okay. It's, it sounds like it 
fits with my worldview, but I don't, I haven't done any backup research. Okay. He gets a lot of whistleblowing people to him as well, like a lot of inside knowledge that gets transferred to him because of his I don't know, stature, I guess, or whatever. Right. And I think at one point, I don't know if he's changed his opinion, but he did roll back some of his coverage of the layoffs. So I think he had put a tweet out saying that he wasn't going to be posting as much as he had been because it was a lot of doomerism, doom and gloom, and mm. he didn't want to. He didn't want to keep amplifying that. So I, I don't know if he's, yeah, because it's going to get. I think we're probably at the beginning of this, not anywhere close to the end. But not that I know anything. But Sean, I think I don't know who else here has been around for from the dot com, the original dot com days. But yeah, baby. Uh, the, this is starting to feel more yeah. like those the original dot com days than maybe the 08. Oh, days. really? Yeah. I remember th- those days. But I remember I was talking to you know, a Fortune 500 company and saying, I don't know, it was that those days are the one in the 90s where he said you could look through office buildings and see clear to the other side because they were just empty. Yeah. Now it's because people are working from home. But let's. History never repeats. Yeah, history never repeats, but it rhymes. Yeah. This is the. Yeah, the. I think the tech industry is so much bigger and different than it was then, but the, I think we can all start to see the euphoria of the last few years for what it is now. Or what I think some of us are starting to see the euphoria of hiring growth in tech headcounts for what it is now, and that's going to take a long time to process through. It's still twice as big as it was in 2019. Yeah. So, 10, <laughs> yeah, so a 10 or 12% layoff is not going to, it doesn't really even get them close to being back to what they were before the pandemic. Yeah. And I, but I do think there is a difference between, and I would probably see, at least for the moment, there's definitely a bifurcation between the developers with closer to a decade's worth of experience or name recognition, their ability to get hired versus, yeah, somebody with only a few years of experience or no, no name recognition. So there's, I was even seeing, there is, I was even seeing job postings, new job postings for senior level, principal level, staff level engineers at Facebook still being available with notes in the job description saying, hey, we're not being, this is not affected by the hiring freeze. We're looking for a very specific type of skills. Yeah. So you can get hired at these places if you have a very specific skill set or have the right experience that they're looking for, but your generic, I don't want to say that derogatorily, but you're just the dark very matter cool. developer. This is what yeah, you're, 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 yeah, you're right. dark yeah, matter you're, developers. Yeah. You're, well, you're a full stack engineer with a handful of years of experience doing kind of general web app development doesn't have that leverage, just to be frank. Yeah, like I sense. got hired at Edgeo throughout this, and I think that's because my name recognition tends to skew much heavier than my avian experience. Facebook used to be, I went through the Facebook recruitment pipeline. They were very much just, we want engineering talent. We don't care what your specialty is. We just want engineering talent. And yeah, and just like slurping all the engineers that they could up. I, in the end, told them no because I didn't want to live in Silicon Valley. And, but it's... Good that, for you. That, that was a, a thing that happened. I have two what? quick... Yeah, go oh. ahead. I was just going to ask, aren't, don't they have remote work or no? They do not. They didn't six years ago when oh, I went to the pipeline. Oh, got it. Okay, sorry. You're right. Thank you. Uh, I'm just... And Adificio, we will get to you after Eric left a couple of things here. Okay, I have to go soon. So I just wanted to share two little anecdotes about my tech exams during my interviews. One was they so they started me off with just a an empty an empty repo that had like TS node would run the 
index.ts. And they said, okay, here's here's a, a REST get URL where you can get some, some repos from in JSON. And they said, okay, fetch the, on the command line, we want you to fetch these and list the titles of these issues or whatever they were. And it was so like, so I immediately started, oh, this is a third party API. So we need to like confirm that they, that the types all match. So I'm going to install Zod and then we're going to parse these, this stuff from this fetch thing and then print them out. And... (laughs) And it was supposed to take like in like forty five minutes, and within fifteen minutes, I had a strongly typed thing to fetch these, fetch this list, and then they wanted me to sort them, and it was crazy easy. But then when I talked to one of the people that used to work there, they said that sort of things tripped up like ninety percent of all the people, like people didn't understand that the fetch gave you back a response, and then the and then you had to await the response.json and that sort of thing like that people didn't get that and my other experience was an example code review where they had come up this company had come up with this this pr in react where i swear every single line had some mistake in it it was if i had if i tried really hard to do this i don't think i would do it as well as they did but it was just like they didn't supply the key, I, the key prop to each React thing, and then there were other ones that were, they were like calling unshift on a thing that was re, that was in like use state. You can't modify the state that way in a mutation in a mutating way. Anyway, it was these sort of code tests have been really fun to see what the industry is like out there. And, and this one was very. They were all legitimate. They weren't like super contrived they were all like a thing that a junior react person might try and do like they might do a use state to do's and mm-hmm. then try and like to do's dot push rather than set to do's and concat or whatever so anyway that has been fun i think it goes to jason's comment about junior versus senior devs or devs with experience like it's it sounds i think we used to call them fizzbuzz it was like interview yeah. questions designed to filter out different levels of experience yeah, but FizzBuzz, the first FizzBuzz, algorithm I learned. Yeah. FizzBuzz filters out the experienced people because we don't, the experienced people don't know FizzBuzz. I do want to get to, Scott, you did mention somebody else who was next in line. I don't want to hold them up and I know. Okay, I love right you guys. Now. I have to go. Okay, uh, Eric, thank you bye, guys. for joining. Cheers. Yeah, Adificio, what's up? I'm a JavaScript website developer and I've been coding for two years now. And when I heard about open source development, I wanted to try it out, but I don't know how people really cope with open source development. You just have this GitHub repo and you contribute like without being, I thought there would be like a ticket or a kind of Chrome team whereby you can actually have, this is what you're doing next. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. so the question was basically, how do you get involved with open source and what do you do with all these random repos everywhere? And what is like, how do you actually just, how do you do this? It's a very good question. But what you want to look for is projects that have some sort of idea that they even want contributors in the first place. So you may see like a contributing.md file in some project. And you may see, have you seen like good first issues? That's another common thing you'll see in projects. They'll have like 
certain issues that are marked as a good first issue should be fairly simple. So there's some ways that some projects try and signal this to people saying, hey, this is a good way to contribute or get involved. But it's, there's not really a lot of like good standardized ways of doing it beyond those like two I just mentioned. So it's messy. The thing I think to do is to pay attention to spaces like this where there's people out there saying, hey, I'm involved in open source. I'm looking to help people get involved in open source. Come talk to me. I can help you out. That's really the kind of the best way to do it. Have you heard of Open Source or Brian Douglas? That would be a great place to go. Join their Discord. Okay. Probably I should start getting involved. And yes, I'm open to any opportunity out there. So anyone looking for a JavaScript developer, I'm right. I'm writing in need of one opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question and thank you for sharing. Bro Nifty, I see you're on the stage. Did you have something you want to jump in and contribute? Otherwise, yeah. I'm going to take us back to... Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay, well, you can take us wherever you want. But I was, just, I was actually going to just chime in with for Eric, but he's gone. Maybe he'll listen to the recording. It's just for him. The only thing is I don't have a lot of, a lot of good advice, sound advice for job seeking, but the one solid piece of advice I can give is... The word backfill, whenever I hear that, I think unreasonable manager. And then the other thing is I never blame the employee. I always blame the manager. And the other thing is I would also advise that headhunters and HR corporate, the recruiters are psychopaths and, and never trust them. And that the only way, literally the only way to have a comfy existence in the workplace is to know the people that work there before you go. So that's it. So I have met some good recruiters, but it sounds like both of those have been informed by past experience. Is Would you be able to just elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, I spent like a decade just getting knocked around in the just thrown out of employment just for no reason, just because I, I like sniffed wrong or, or whatever. And just like people just that they, they just like you're just you're meaningless, like whatever, like even if you develop a, like a very specific skill set in a very demanding thing where you can, it's like you sh show up as like the number one. People will tell me, are you showing up as the number one person for this thing? And, and I get like tons and tons of calls. So I have to weed them out. But then every time I get placed somewhere, not every time, some of them were just, it was just my fault. Whatever personal issues I had to figure out, like, how do I deal with these people? Because they're just really not of sound mind but uh, either way it can be really tough and when you're in a good spot i would say even if you feel like maybe like you're getting like uh uh you feel like maybe somebody else is making more than you or maybe somebody else is better than you i would say if you are working with people that you and can get along with you like even a company culture that fits like just stay there because that's the more most important thing so yeah let me maybe recontextualize it you tell me if this is accurate or not i think it's easy especially as developers to learn this the hard way like you need to pay attention to people's incentives and not necessarily what they communicate to you and they might over promise and over deliver like when you're talking to recruiters oh, sorry over promise but not over deliver but if you think about their incentives they're not getting paid by you, the person who's looking for the job. They're getting paid by the company who's who's going to give, who they fill a position for. So like their incentive is to send as many of the best fitting candidates as they can to it. And unscrupulous recruiter 
would maybe overpromise to a lot of people because all they they get rewarded if they're not thinking long term and less punished if they overpromise to certain people or try to get as many candidates in there. And does that sound like a, another way to recontextualize what you're describing? Oh, yeah, you're focused on the recruiter part of it. I don't know if it's so much the recruiters. I think the pathway through into an organization through a recruiter where you don't know anybody <clears> first, <throat> I think is generally like your got your, it. Your worst path. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, it's not super great. It's not a great place to be. I've been there. Yeah, it's like you're involved as each I was saying. There's weird incentives <clears throat> and the system's challenging to work through and involves signaling certain things that may or may not signal whether you're actually suitable for the job or not and lots of stuff like that. Do you want to just set it up and see if Brian has any additional insights? Yeah, just so we had a listener kind of asking the kind of boilerplate, how do you get involved in open source and how do you manage all these confusing repos and what do you even, what do you do to get involved? Like how do you even start? Just a thing that you, you run spaces about this exact topic frequently. I think you did today or yesterday. And maybe one other thing to add to that, and I might be extrapolating is I think the goal of this is for the listener was to both get experience, but also get exposure to landing a job. To get a job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for the ping, Anthony. Yeah, I've been doing some spaces around good first issues this week. Going to do a video or a blog post around it. But for context, for everyone who doesn't know who I am, I spent the last four and a half years working at GitHub, engaging people to do more open source and talking to people who are doing it well to get more, like just grow open source in general. I shared that less than 1% of all developers on GitHub do open source contributions. So my goal with one of my company I'm working on right now called Open Source is to increase that number. So I mentioned that because getting it started, I think there's a lot of like really good open source guide is a thing that my four members of my team at GitHub put together before I joined. And there's a lot of good information there, but that's all, all it is just information. It's very general information on how to interact with GitHub, how to open issues, how to be respectful and kind. But what a lot of people are looking for is the actionable thing. And I, I think the getting your job through showing real work through open source is such an underutilized like skill and opportunity. And that's what I'm trying to push for. So like some options are, and I, I, I want to avoid, because I don't want to tell everyone, this is my advice and don't do anything else that's out there. Yeah, so it's not necessarily prescriptive in the sense like you do this, you're going to get this outcome so much as here's a yeah. couple things that will probably set you in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah, so all the stuff that's out there will set you in the right direction. What I'm trying to do is give the next step after. So after you found your good first issue, or after you found the project, or after you learned how to use GitHub, then my pitch is in my Discord, actually, just folks who are sharing some early projects. So there's a Avi who's based in Japan. So she usually does spaces like a couple hours from now, has built an open source project to share your spaces. And it's got like 11 stars on it. And it doesn't, it's a Next.js app that doesn't work yet, but people are building it together in the open. So to go do open source in that manner, hey, I'm going to build something from the ground up and early in community. You don't get that opportunity all the time. And what most mistakes that people make is like, I'm going to go contribute to React or I'm going to go contribute to Vue. And like such a big project, there's so many moving parts and they're having calls and, Zoom, and Zooms and all this other stuff that you like, it's hard. It's like playing double Dutch. You like try to jump in and then you get burnt out or you hit the wall and you're like, ah, oh, this is not for me. But if you went to like, recently Tanstack was renamed to Tanstack from React Query. But if you went to React Query in 2018 and was like, oh yeah, this is a cool project. Like you it, imagine what you would be four years from now with all that knowledge in React Query and a project that only one dude, a co-founder of some small startup in Utah, who's Tanner, was building that for his startup. 
And if you come along and learn that, like you could grow with the project. And I think a lot of times we don't, we miss the opportunity growing with the project, showing contributions over time, and then leveraging those contributions to put in your cover letter or put in your resume or, or take inbounds from people who can notice you. That's, I think, really the key advice is don't try and join the biggest project there is because you think that's the thing to do because it has, like, traction. You want to be able to find, like, the things that are almost about to blow up, which is harder to find, but that's also the ones that tend to most need the contributors or the people who can give the intangibles, like the docs or the videos or the extra stuff because they've built the thing. It's like an MVP but it's still like all the other stuff that it needs to like really become a very successful open source project. And that's the good place to be. Yeah. And to echo that too as well, Anthony, I worked, I learned how to code back in 2012, 2013. And uh, it was like around the time when boot camps were getting popular. So dev boot camp had just started. And one of the things that when you go around the room and you do these like those you know, intro meetings on a zoom or you go to a meetup, they're like, Hey, why are you going to do, why do you want to learn how to code? And what I heard a lot around that time, and it's laughable now, but most people were like, I want to learn how to code because I want to start a company because I want to be the next Facebook. Like I'm going to build the next Facebook. And what usually people who learn how to code is like build literally Facebook. They put all the features in there and they're like, oh, this is the best thing ever. And then no one uses it. And what a lot of people forget about Facebook is it started with one feature. And like Twitter, it started with one feature. It was like sending SMS to tell your friends of what you're doing. And I, we missed that origin story of a lot of these projects. So you look at any open source project where like even React, it was like literally injecting PHP style coding inside of front end web. It's cool, but no one got it. Like when React was announced, Tom Okino actually gave a talk recently last month at the Andreessen React party here in San Francisco. And he was talking about how that when they shipped React, they shipped it and they were talking about the technical, all the technical things they could do because React existed. It was at the F8 conference. When I'm, I, I don't know if that still happens, but Facebook... F8 conference. I've watched some of these videos of these talks they've given back 2013, 2014. They're dense. <laughs> yeah. And the crazy part is like when I learned about, because I just took my first job as an engineer and I learned about reactor F8 and like the entire bank of engineers that I was sitting with, we all laughed at it. Cause like, why would we had jQuery then? Why would you use react when you had jQuery? React was dumb then. <laughs> How innocent. <laughs> but six months later, they announced it at JS Coffee U. Jordan Walk presented it. And he didn't present it as a technical thing that they solved problems with. It was like, no, actually, he didn't present the technical. He saw, he presented the painkiller part, the problems that were solved at Facebook because of React. And that's what grew adoption is because people could see, oh, yeah, I saw And you. also Pete Hunt did his talk where he put in the context like versus yeah. Angular and Backbone and the other front-end frameworks that were available at the time. So he was made the case of not versus jQuery, but versus the other component things that are being created, whether you realize it or not. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's funny because like it's the, what I see in the Jamstack world was the place I come from. Like everyone builds a new CMS every couple of years and all the other CMSs are still around, but there's yet another one. And like, I, I see all the CMS has been around there. And one that comes to mind is like Tina's still around, but you see it evolve into the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. From and that's be the next Exactly. And Gatsby is actually doing a rewrite as well. I think you saw the announcement where they're pulling out the content layer and their focus is, is less on the f competing with Next.js to now they're competing with Contentful. Interesting. Oh, I missed I that announcement. A, so that's yeah. the person who would ask that question is popping back up. Her mic is super duper low. 
if you turn your volume up all the way, then you might be able to hear what she's saying. And I have no idea how to pronounce her name. Dipisayo. Hi. Dipisayo, actually. Okay. Hello. Yes, can you hear me now? Oh, you're louder now. That, you sound great. Okay. Yeah. I had to rejoin, so I guess I missed some things. Yes, you actually gave... I saw the link in the chat box later, and uh, I've joined. Thank you. And like I've said, it's just like someone is not actually getting the whole community thing. How do you bond also when you get to the community and how do you interact well so that you maximize the, the opportunity? Also, the name of this page, developer, is it like we have jobs available or I don't know, I just want to understand very well. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's so asking if there's open sources like actually feeding people into jobs or not, which I think is not the case right now. It's getting you like cool open source cred, right, Brian? Yeah, I mean, we'll get there eventually. We've done so far in the last six months that we made partnerships with companies that are doing open source to get them to use open source for tracking their contributors and, and also growing their contributors. So that was like step zero was like really just getting the word out. Step one was connect to companies because I think that's the missing point is we have so many communities that are encouraging open source contributions, showing them the ropes, but there's not enough projects out there that will onboard these folks. And like we have Hacktoberfest, which is, it's a bit of a cluster because not everyone's prepared to do Hacktoberfest and you get random folks contributing. So the next step that we're working on is actually validating folks who are doing open source and doing it well and like creating that model to also encourage other ones to make that contribution. So eventually we'll have a job board. Eventually you have invites to contribute and to interview at places. But like our roadmap, open source slash roadmap, it's open source. You can check it out. Like that roadmap is really, it's our goals, our hopes and dreams. The more I'm talking about a lot now because we're in growth mode now. So looking forward to scaling the team and scaling the product. But to add a Vasaya, to your question, I don't know what the purpose of the space is open mic and the subject is no for hiring. I just jumped in midstream. I think the best thing you could do if you want to get a job, sorry, this is prescriptive. This is my opinion, but I'm going to give a very harsh opinion. If you want to get a job and you're getting started, open source is a really, really good place to get that started. If you don't know where to start, it would start with open source. Sign up today. We're going to be feeding people projects and companies that are actively taking on contribution. They actively have a business behind them because there's a whole story. Like I've been doing YouTube, this podcast series called The Secret Sauce on YouTube. And there's all these stories of people getting their open source, their jobs through open source. At GitHub, we, we create Electron's like one of the most popular native app solutions for building apps in JavaScript on your on the desktop. And uh, it was built at GitHub because of the IDE that's no longer around called Atom. And there was an intern who was like done doing intern work in the middle of the summer and was invited to make contributions to Electron. And then eventually was invited to work part-time during his last year of school. And like today, he's like a staff engineer building some of the coolest projects at GitHub, still at GitHub today. And that's like any social card that you see on Twitter when I use here a repo, like that was that intern that built that four years prior, or sorry, who joined Electron four years prior because he was just interested and started making like contributions. And I know that's, that's one path, but there's so many other companies that have open source projects that you could, you don't have to contribute to Facebook's React, but you can, you can contribute to a smaller react drag and drop experience or a library out there okay got it thank you i will join the community and try to also find something i could do to contribute appreciate it thank you yeah and i would say sorry i didn't mean to hijack the space too as well so like sean oh, you're good, man. You're good. this is on but, topic it's yeah, an open I, mic night. yeah good yeah and i would say like 
when people join communities, like the best, like usually people come through like saying like, hey, this is me, hello. And I do the same thing. When I join a Discord, like I forget about it. Like I, I don't log in ever again. And it's the same thing for the people who are running the show. If you don't say hi, if you don't show up and provide some updates or what you're interested in or set up a Zoom call with me because I, I have a pretty open calendar as well, I'll forget about you. So I'm not going to chase you down to go give you contributions to make. But if you're like, hey, I just learned how to do state management and React. Do you have any problems for the state management and React? As opposed to some DMs I have right now, they're like, hey, I want to do open source. Like, what projects? I don't know you. I don't know what to give and, you. And so this is, I can speak to this from experience because the first Discord I ever joined was the open source Discord. This is why I still, to this day, will send people to it. And for us, the way we did it is that I came to you with Redwood. I was like, I think this is a cool thing. I am a total newbie. I barely know anything about it, but I learned enough about this thing to speak about it. So get me on your podcast to talk about that. And you're like, great, this is a topic I want on my podcast. You're someone who knows something about it more than me. I'll bring you on. And that's all it took. And that is from there, we've had this like now two year long collaboration where I bring you on now to random spaces I'm on. So it's just, it's cool. What's crazy about that is I didn't know you were a newbie because you didn't come to me in my DMs with your hat in your hand saying, hey, I just learned how to code or I'm still learning how to code. You're just like, hey, this is a cool thing. You don't, you have a podcast. You've never mentioned this on your podcast. I'm like, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to Redwood or talk to somebody who knows more about it for a while. And you presented yourself. And now you're, you have a successful career. Not because of me, because of your tenacity, though. But you're along there for the journey. This yeah, I think. Oh, Jason, go, no, go ahead. I yeah, need your hand up. Go ahead. yeah, no, apparently you, your hand goes down when you unmute your mic. So I didn't know that until just now. Brian, I think to add on to what you were saying, at least in my experience, using the open source repository yourself first before trying to figure out how to contribute to it would probably be a good prerequisite. I don't know if you called it out exactly like that, but at least in my experience. That's a great summary. Yeah. It's almost not obvious, but it's like the most obvious thing to do is use it first. Because it's got to be something you're probably into. You're using it for a reason because you're interested in that. So just wanting to contribute to open source in the abstract is, a, is too wide of a question like you were talking about. What do I throw you at if you don't can't get any more specific than that? But if you've got a project you're using and something doesn't work right or isn't clear enough, particularly that's the big one is like documentation, right? Because if you've used something and you figured something else that's not in the documentation, that's a great way to contribute something is you don't even have to fix the code. You just, Hey, I figured out how to use it. Here's an example because coming up with good examples is always hard part when trying to, especially for the younger repositories or younger projects. But anyway, that's just my two cents. Um, I totally agree with you. I feel like that's the most sleeper method to get involved that people skip on. Like you're accomplishing multiple goals at the same time. Like you're devoting and getting into the docs and actually like milling through and learning what you're actually trying to, approach and then you're also contributing at the same time so it's like a natural process whereas a lot of people who try to get into open source it's like they try to go out of their path to obtain oh i'm going to contribute for the first time whereas like you could just be naturally learning something and making contributions but i feel like what happens is a lot of people get insecure and that's where this buck stops because i've just from my again from my personal experience i started using a couple of new react open source projects and i've been working using them for the better part of this year if not longer and i'm just now starting to f feel like there's things that i can contribute to that repository 
that that aren't there or pieces that are missing. But it's taken me as someone with a couple decades of experience, six months of using a thing before I felt like I was worthy of making a contribution. So it, it's not like you can just show up and start making contributions on day one. That's the hard way. Absolutely. I, yeah, I just want to interject here. I, what Dougie is, is the center of the universe for the contributions. Okay, everybody joins. Dougie, get in there and help me. I want to submit a project to, let's copy Netflix's data model and build out some custom business intelligence solutions. Okay, that was my thing there. But uh, yeah, no, I think it uh, really goes really well with the idea of get to know the people you're working with and then work with them as opposed to like just getting injected into this new organization. Nobody knows you and you're supposed to just like, oh, we'll just magically start getting along with everybody and start working. It's like you could be like a mild-mannered, normal person who's productive and has all the qualities, but maybe somebody just doesn't like the cut of your jib. You don't know. So it's, this is a, such the best way. It's so, so organic. Somebody said that. I think Jason said that. But yes, this is, it's a totally organic way of, or, oh no, it was, it was uh, Daniel who said that it's the sleeper way of, yeah, exactly. You just like get in there, get to know the system, work, docs, get to know how everything is, contribute. And hey, you're part of the community. You're like, you're in like Flint. That's good. Exactly. It makes you feel part of it, right? In a lot of cases, I feel like a lot of people have things to contribute, but they don't think it's a large enough contribution. Like, totally. Just over the last couple of weeks, like, I, I was playing with Sanity and going through their Grok docs. I'm like, there is so much missing from this that they don't explain that would make it so much more valuable. And it's like, I just make notes to myself of what to write examples for, what to create a tutorial for, and I just contribute it in when I'm ready. Yeah, total imposter syndrome variant of is this good enough to even contribute is it worth anyone's time to even look at absolutely brian i did have one question and to tie this back into what we were talking about at the beginning with the current macro environment around hiring you said that you'd gotten started in 2011 or so if i heard you correctly what are things looking like from your point of view as someone with kind of that middle and you've worked at github so you you worked at a rocket ship you've got some particularly unique set of experiences how are, how's the marketplace feeling in the current state and times of everything that's going on? Yeah, it's funny because I was having private conversations a year ago because <clears throat> everyone in DevRel, so I did DevRel at GitHub, was getting like $250,000 salary. Senior engineer was getting like 180 k no matter where you lived in the U.S. And it was like, it was pretty wild. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. My background was also I have a finance degree. I was I went to school specifically for institutional investments. So I wanted to be a stockbroker, basically. I graduated 2008 the wrong time to try to get a job with no network. So my entire career at as a dev has been get a network, grow a community. And so folks who have a network and community, like you, you have no problem getting a job. I saw someone get laid off by Netlify. Unfortunately, Netlify is a great company, but they had to lay off 14% of their company, which is not a public number. So I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. But what I'm getting- We were just talking about this earlier today in one of our meetings. But I reached out to one of their devs. So I was like, hey, I actually wanted to hire them. I couldn't hire. I can't afford a Netlify dev and not in our state. But I was like, hey, let's have a chat. Let's, I'm going to share. Let's talk about your project. I never met you. They had a job. They got laid off on Thursday. They had it by Monday. They had an offer signed by Friday. So if you have a network, if you're here in spaces, people can see you. It'll be okay. Like, a person who got hired 12 hours after they got fired. Yeah. Just companies that are wow. so any company making money and has a stable runway or a profit they're fine it's all the startups that took tons of money and have no no business that's the challenge and that's what you you gotta you don't need to avoid but you want to be concerned if you're working on a startup and just like plan to profitability 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that networking is key, although it's a bit of too late for this cycle, but definitely for the next one. <laughs> Be working on your networking. Yeah, and um, that's why I have to drop to, to jump to a meeting. So I just love hanging out with you guys. But open source, we specifically were having profiles to launch at the end of the month. So anybody can sign up. The landing page doesn't show this yet because we haven't shipped it. But if you look at any of our issues, you can see this feature coming. So anybody who have a profile, will start recommending contributions and companies to reach out to folks who want to get intros. Like that's all in a roadmap. And I would love to chat with anybody if you want to DM for a deep demo. We'll ship some demos to the YouTube channel soon. But yeah, I, I love joining the space. This is I think this might be the first or second time I talked. But yeah, thanks for hosting this JavaScript yeah, man, jam. Anytime. And, uh, we do this yeah. every week. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for joining. Yeah, and don't forget, guys, uh, Anthony did link open source there in the comments. So you can just click the little chat box there in the bottom right and find it. So go check it out. Nice. Scott, you want to do the station break? Sure. Since we're at the hour, one hour mark. Go ahead. Absolutely. Thanks again, Brian, man. Have a good meeting. <clears throat> all right. Thank you all so much for joining us today. We do this every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, where we discuss anything web dev and JavaScript related. We're so glad you're here today. Whether you're a beginner a developer or whether you've been doing this for a very long time, it doesn't matter. We want to hear from everybody. In fact, that's how we get the most value from here is when people just join in the space and contribute and raise their hand there. If you do want to have a conversation with us, please just put your hand up or a request to come up and you can do so by clicking the little plus heart symbol there and put your hand up as well. And we would love to, to hear either a question or opinion or a fact or whatever it might be. Cause we also love to, to help people and bring value to them as well, which this space has done very much. I feel like so excited for the topic at hand today. We are talking about developers and hiring and the layoffs has been going on things like that, but trying to keep a positive note here for 2023 and going into it and what people can do to better themselves in the new year. Thank you all so much. And back to Ishan. Yeah, thank you, Scott. One of the things we've, we opened at the beginning for those who joined late was reflecting on 2022 and predictions for 2023 in the year ahead for the JavaScript and web development ecosystem. And that's how we got on some of the topics we just raised. And again, as Scott mentioned, feel free to raise your hand. We're happy to bring anybody up to the stage and it's an open mic. Just talk about anything JavaScript or web development related is on topic. But I'm curious as we go into the last half hour of this space, what people think their predictions are for the ecosystem, whether that's technical, whether that's economic. I'm very curious to hear what people think they expect to be coming in the next 12 months ahead after what we saw in 2022. And we sent out a couple links in the newsletter this week. So if you go to javascriptjam.com, you can sign up for our newsletter. And I believe there should be a link as well there for this week's newsletter. We had a couple of interesting articles we collected from across the web on predictions for the ecosystem. Anthony, I'm curious if you got a chance to look at any of those and if, if you had any reactions to, to what was in there. I have not, but I would say in terms of predictions for yeah. uh, ecosystem, I predict that we're going to see a greater increase in enthusiasm for like non-react frameworks I think that there's a kind of very strong I'm like I see I made a tweet about this the other somewhat of a snarky tweet that I think that some projects fell into this pattern where they're like use our tool because react sucks and I don't think <laughs> that entirely follows exactly yeah make a case for your actual tool but I think that's a strong sentiment so we're going to see a lot more of that I think just things that are both going for different JavaScript frameworks or even no, not JavaScript frameworks at all, like web components, things like that. And this like push towards performance and projects like Solid and Quick, especially bringing us to really highlighting how we can still get the benefits of a modern component-based framework without having to sacrifice performance, which I think is what I'm going to be most excited for in this year. 
Yeah, I definitely feel that personally. And one of the, I feel like that was definitely in the air. People are calling it post-react. I thought it was really interesting. One of the folks we linked to, Bytes, was a newsletter, had their predictions for 2023. And another one was Ryan Carniato's view, Reflections on 2022. He's the creator of SolidJS and predictions for frameworks in 2023. And this post-react and solving the hydration issues definitely seems to be a theme. The interesting thing from Bytes that I thought was both insightful, but also in, in some sense, it's like also blazingly obvious was they said React hate will reach an all-time high and so will React usage. And it makes a lot of sense if you think about it in that if you just linearly extrapolate, both are growing and it'll take some time before maybe it, it impacts React and it'll remains to be seen if server components catches up and bends the curve there. But definitely it's very funny like to me because yeah, I did yeah. not read that and arrived at the exact same conclusion as them. So that makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the insightful, but also extrapolation of linear patterns so far, if you just keep going, both are growing. One of the other things they had as it relates to what we were just talking about, the macroeconomic environment was, and this was their leading thing, you know, they said, RIP to VC funded open source. If yes, and yeah, I mean, exactly. There's, there's yeah. less VC money as we were talking about earlier, yeah. but that doesn't mean there's no VC money, and that doesn't mean that there aren't still smart ways to invest VC money in open source. So I think it's going to be a general downtrend, but I think that's because of macro forces and that open source, like. VC funded open source, we have no idea yet because it just happened. Like it just happened a year ago. So we can't even say whether it succeeded or not yet. Yeah. I don't think they're saying it's the end of open source. I guess they're saying there's VC funded open source. What they mean is they mean Astro, they mean Remix, they mean projects that are being footed the bill by VC funded companies like Netlify or Vercel. I think that those both kind of fall into that bucket. Yeah, I think it means, I don't think it, Agree. I would just caution somebody listening to that to mean those projects specifically. Those ones actually got funding. I think it means any new ones that might have been, say, in 2023 are less likely to get funded. Those, sure. Some of the but ones not, you mentioned. But it's not possible. It's new ones. Yeah. Go ahead. Everything just gets harder. And the quality yes. of you know, the quality of the things that do get funded go way up or maybe revert to the mean. Or they become more entrenched. They become harder to dislodge. Whereas we might have 20 contenders to the throne of React, it might be just five or six, which might in some way be better and simpler and easier to decide. But that was an interesting angle that I thought was interesting about 2023 that I didn't see in a lot of other predictions, but makes a lot of sense. The technical parts and the economic parts of the ecosystem together to look at how those winter play. Yeah, go ahead. I'd make a point on the the topic about React peaking. I think on the flip side of that, I agree that it might be peaking in the bleeding edge open source flavor of the week hot topic, but on the corporate side, so where most software exists, it's just getting started over there. The mask, the amount of software that has to be rewritten over the next decade and new software that needs to be developed, it's all going to be done in React. It's also why I think we should really caution ourselves to tell beginners to learn these hip new things instead exactly. of React. Totally. Yes, that's, that's exactly that. where I was going. <laughs> if you want a good, safe job that isn't necessarily at a startup or isn't necessarily at a, quote, tech company, there's so much work to be done in the what some of us might consider they're boring, uninteresting software, but it's good paying jobs. And that software lasts, what I think, in terms of decades for how long software needs to last. The uh, There's a lot, there's there, there, the deck, new, brand new React applications will still be being written in a decade from now, if all, if history does indeed repeat. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm trying to think of a good analogy. It's like somebody telling you to go learn, I don't know, Rust if you're just starting, which makes theoretical sense, but from a pragmatic getting employed sense, might be harder unless you're already a senior. <laughs> I think there's more Rust jobs probably than like SolidJS jobs. Okay, well, Solid, yes. I love SolidJS as a framework, but maybe that's but yeah, a That's a good example yeah. of like yeah. that is you'll enrich yourself by learning it, but if you want to get a job and you need to learn a thing now, you need to learn React. I tell that to all beginners. I'm like, you can learn any framework you want. You're going to learn basically the same thing anyway. But if you want to learn the one that a far greater number of companies that are hired will be looking for, you should pick this one. Yeah. And with, it's good to think through like the hiring process, like the SEO of it. There are like, if there are certain hiring managers that they see you've got solid experience, they're like, that stands out and they know what that means. But the recruiter isn't going to know that. And Absolutely the keyword not, yeah. searching tool, yeah. they get a hundred resumes into this thing. They run a keyword tool through it. It doesn't notice <laughs> solid. It knows, looks for just react because that's what the manager said. That's what I was saying and earlier so about the recruitment process, having you to signal things that may not signal your skills or not. Cause the, it's hard to get the right information in front of the right people in the right format. Yes. yes, totally. Um, I think the tie the two things together, it, it might be a lot easier because to get a tech job at a non-tech company in 2023 than it will be to get one in a VC backed or mega cat. I was just about true. to go down that, that thread. Um, Cause what we're hearing, some people say what's happening is tech is retreating, but now tech is going into is eating the world. So now these non-software companies need well, developers. Yeah. And as someone who's been supplying engineers to the those kind of companies for the last six years, seven, six, yeah. Yeah, six years, they've not been able to hire for, their, for 10 years. Because yep. why would you go work for a bank or a John Deere or some company in the Midwest that has tons of software that they write when you could go get a half million dollars a year at Facebook, right? The, they haven't been able to hire, but now they might be able to start to think about hiring. And so it is. There, there's always there, there's all there's cycles and counter cycles. And I'm hoping my consulting company is well set up for that counter cycle, but well, that remains to be seen. As I, someone who, yeah. you know, our, my, my VC backed startup that got acquired by a private equity company where I've, we've built a pretty good business servicing all of the customers of that, of that VC backed tech company, converting or upgrading or maintaining their software. That's all most of it's 10 plus years old. So it, and it's all web tech. So it's, we were one of the original VC-backed HTML JavaScript companies. So Yeah, you um, should tell people about, just say the name of the company if you feel like they were- Yeah, sure. Yeah, we had worked at a company called Sencha. We had Sencha Touch, which was like the one of the original mobile HTML5 frameworks, JavaScript frameworks. We had EXTJS, which was our desktop that predates that by five or six years. Yep. And at the time- Every big company used our stuff. We had all the banks. We had all the every everyone on Wall Street. We had pretty much every kind of non high flyer tech company. From this is 2010, starting in 2010 or so, to, to and we were acquired in 2017. So we had thousands and thousands of customers, tens of thousands of developers using our stuff, and we were backed by Sequoia. I think we were. If we weren't the first, we were in the first round of HTML5 JavaScript companies that were ever VC funded. And we had, there there were dreams of us being a unicorn, but we never quite made it, which is why they now live under a private equity backed tech conglomerate. But to the central point that got us here on people still continue to react, people can still, you're, you've built a whole business basically supporting people on Sencha. That's which right. Was, you know, 
in some ways, the precursor in terms of like adoption by large enterprises. I do have one question, though, that I'm curious to push back on, which is you said there's a whole lot of software that that needs to be rewritten, which I agree with. And you then said, I think it's all going to be rewritten in React. And I feel like in 2022, especially we saw as part of the, I don't know if we call it React hate or the React backlash, some acknowledgement that or sentiment that maybe those people shouldn't bother rewriting it in React. I don't know if you guys saw the Theo and Alex Russell had a yes. had a debate right on React. And at one point during the debate, they both, they raised hands. I think one of them asked, who here thinks an e-commerce site or some, I can remember what the example is, should be written in React, but something simple. And there's a huge massive number of hands that say, no, it shouldn't be. That's me. It very much felt like we were riding a wave that everything was going to be rewritten. Do you... Do you still think everything's going to be rewritten in React? Or do you think maybe this, there'll be some pullback and people are like, no, wait, maybe we'll go back. We'll stick with jQuery or we'll stick with WordPress or what's your yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll revise that. Not, yeah. I, I think there's certain classes of applications. Like the, yeah. the, if you think of boring enterprise software, not websites, not e-commerce, I don't really play in that field, Got but, it. Uh, but I'm thinking of applications, process management systems, like the average age of the software we work on is 10 years old. That's the average, which means there's software that's even older than that's now that's being upgraded or refactored or rewritten for the first time in over 10 years. And in these worlds, that's the young software. So um, I think I was getting some messages from Henri. He was throwing WordPress into the mix. I feel like that's an interesting angle as well, because like he's like reacting to be the new WordPress. And I feel like the mm. React to jQuery of a comparison makes more sense because they're both libraries that do things that you can bring into a front end, whereas WordPress is like something that kind of transcends just coding itself. So I feel like that is, so should new beginners be taught WordPress? And it's funny, I my first visceral reaction is no, but the first website I ever created was a WordPress website. So it almost makes you feel like a hypocrite to say that. I'm honestly starting to come around to the value. I think it really depends on the context. I have the saying that a website is half built by developers and half built by the people who create the content on it. And you have to optimize for whichever team needs to move at the highest velocity and where your core differentiation is. So for a blog, if you get a good developer to make sure your op your theme is lean and mean and you don't go crazy with plugins, it could be the right thing where you've got one developer and 10 content people to actually use WordPress, right? In that kind of a situation. I think it does depend on the context. But I do appreciate the analogy of something that gets so entrenched, WordPress is 40%. And it gets overused in context where it doesn't matter. And then it just becomes so hard to convince people to go any other way because that's just what they're used to using. I don't know, like a gasoline car, right? We've always had gasoline cars. And I know this whole ecosystem exists of gas stations. So why would I even bother changing when maybe my, I only drive 25 miles every day to the same spot? Like an electric car might actually be more efficient and cost. So more. React is yeah. Tesla in that analogy. No, React, React or WordPress <laughs> would be the legacy, would be the gasoline. So what would be the Tesla then? <laughs> the, the Tesla would be solid or maybe Redwood or maybe, maybe jQuery. Yeah, see, I think actually. that to yeah. me, React, Solid, Redwood, all that stuff sits in a bucket and WordPress is in a different bucket to me because that's true. the problem of where is the data? Like, where is the blog post? You're absolutely like, WordPress right. WordPress yeah. solves that problem for you at least. WordPress is, it's monolithic. It is the CMS 
and the development environment, so to speak, ignoring that it's basically PHP. Whereas React likes to say, I'm just a library. Yeah, I totally agree. But I feel the visceral part of the analogy, which is just something that got so popular, it's going to be an overhang on the ecosystem moving forward. I do think like on that point, like WordPress versus what's being talked about, WordPress is the solution, whereas React is a tool. And I feel like people forget that. Like it's great for what it is. It's a really good way to put it. Yeah, like WordPress, WordPress teaches so much to the tools being used today and how we structure data and how we do these repetitive general tasks that we really shouldn't even need React for at this point. It's a matter of preference as well. Like in wanting to develop your skills and do what's the fastest if you're in a monetized environment. But WordPress, is a, it's a fantastic solution. It's the most complete solution when you really think about it, as well as the highest adoption. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about in the Jamstack, you, you as a developer can piece a bunch of things together and suddenly you've got, you go to do an e-commerce site, you use Contentful and you maybe Shopify headlessly and you put React and then you host on maybe like a, a head Jamstack. But you still need to be a developer to do that. But if you're a non-developer, you can re- recreate that same experience as I get a WordPress instance, so I put a bunch of plugins on it. Unfortunately, it won't be as fast or there are a bunch of other issues, but it certainly can make a lot of people productive really quickly. I think, again, it really depends on the team and the context. I'm curious for other predictions for 2023 in the ecosystem. Some of the other ones that, that I know came out when I was going through and looking through a bunch of these was TRPC, replacing GraphQL. A lot of people were- TRPC yeah. is awesome. It's not going to replace GraphQL. I'm so sick of this take. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Dive in. Tell me. Yeah. I think well, I know where you're going, but uh, go ahead. Yeah. I linked to the Theo, one of Theo's videos on the topic. It's, he, he does a pretty good job of covering it. Yeah. Actually, he, yeah. He did actually at the Composability Summit. Yeah. But sorry. Yeah. I sent a video to a, not my old Theo who is at the GraphQL company that I used to work at. And I think that the reason they're compared to each other is because they both provide a way to create end-to-end full-stack type safety. So you can write your JavaScript functions and you get autocomplete for your database row. That's all it is. That is the entire point. We built this huge, insane chain ecosystem of tools to achieve that. So you can autocomplete your database from your JavaScript. That's the entire thing. There's nothing more than that. That is why people use TRPC. That is not the sum total of what GraphQL does and what GraphQL gives you and why GraphQL should continue to be a thing. So TRPC will not replace GraphQL. TRPC will steal a part of GraphQL's market share mm-hmm. who didn't give a crap about anything except getting autocomplete in their JavaScript. And it might prevent people from adopting TypeScript who shouldn't have in the first place. I'm oh, sorry, sorry. GraphQL. GraphQL. Sorry, that's Gra- what I correct. was to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Because because everyone for a while there, everyone was that's throwing GraphQL into their simple web app that if you've got a next app that talks to a database, do you really need GraphQL to sit in the middle or can you just write an, you know, some APIs that return data from the database? And TRPC gives you a nice type safe, fast way to do that. But if you've got the GraphQL cases, which is heterogeneous environments with multiple clients and teams and i think i'm summarizing theo's points but or yeah or if it's a publicly facing api then you know graphql is probably still the right choice he hates publicly facing graphql apis but yes the everything else you said there was correct and i make the case for public graphql apis also yeah i think that's a good way to put it but it's interesting it's going back to react i think react got adopted sometimes by people who it was overkill they didn't need it and so 
it doesn't affect it doesn't replace GraphQL, but does maybe compete with it for market share where it maybe shouldn't have just simply by its popularity. Well, that's, I think this is this is funny though because this is what GraphQL did to REST. It's all it's just history repeating itself the other direction because yeah. GraphQL stole a bunch of people from REST who they had yeah. no business with stealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it's history rhymes. So a few other predictions that came out regarding frameworks. Lori Voss, who ran the Jamstack survey, he was predicting that Next.js would slow down and Remix will jump. And he, one thing that I liked, actually, when I went through this is that he did, and I saw other people do this in various other aspects, which is they score their predictions from last year. I don't know if you guys know Tom Tongues. He's a VC, venture capitalist. He also scores his predictions. Scott Galloway does that as well. And I thought it was interesting what they got right and didn't got wrong. And so I encourage folks to get our newsletter, follow the link and follow that and see what they got right or wrong. On their predictions, they had predicted when it relates to frameworks, they said React will stay, Svelte will grow. And he gave their rating a B plus because he said Svelte grew nicely going from 30% from 19% share, but React grew even further than they did. So it goes back to React hate will continue, but so will React usage. I'm curious what other people seem to think for predictions of frameworks that'll grow in popularity in the coming year. I I definitely think that Astro will, and I agree with Remix as well. Yeah, but real quick one. Somebody mentioned, I don't remember who it was, but somebody said that it takes a gain or a 10x improvement for someone to want to shift from a, from calling something I legacy to... Matt or David is the one who said that. Ah, uh, he was right. Yeah, I believe that. Because from... BigQuery is awesome. I still, I use it. Like, it, it enables various widgets and stuff, and that's just what it is. But uh, yeah, jQuery is awesome. But as far as, like, the main, like, framework for doing imperative programming, that's not... Uh, declarative is better. Like, something with React is better. Going from React to one of these other, like Svelte or one of these other ones, like there's not a, I don't see a 10x from React to another framework. Furthermore, I think the declarative nature of React, just like SQL, where it's declarative, you're not imperatively telling which table to join, how, where, when, then this and that and the other thing. No, you just tell it what you want and it gives it to you. That's what React does very, in, a, in a very similar way. And there's things like React Fiber 3 3JS with these animation frameworks and you're building video games on top of it. And like these plugins where you can do drag and drop on top of React and things are getting more declarative and more standardized. And the more you build on top of that, it gets to the point where are you really even, yes, you're still coding, but like you're, you use like going deep into special specialization in some of this stuff where it's like, you don't really want to think about that underlying layer too much. Like you want to just, you want to stay in your specialty, stay in your lane. You want to, you you don't want to be context switching constantly and all those different things. And I think something like React, where it gives you the basic of everything you need, you can standardize upon it and you can build frameworks on top of it and stack it up. And the thing about it is, and just one other thing besides besides that is what I wanted to mention, and I got stuck in a long thread with the, the CTO of Vercel and Miko, Misco, Miko, and the CEO. Yeah. CEO of Builder, those really super big, huge, gigantic brains there. You guys know what they're doing, but somebody would make a comment that like React is not React, React is not reactive. And I don't feel like responding there, but I'm just going to say React is reactive, okay? You have props, state, any very variable declared in the component body will force a re-render anytime one of those changes. The difference between something like, not Builder, I'll set that aside, but the difference between something like that and Solid is Solid, it like, it, it 
statement. If you think about statement, what is state management for? State is management for your, you want to manage the value of something across components. Already have state management inside a component. But if you want to pull it out, you want to lift state up, you want to pull it out. You want to control how your app is re-rendering, how many times, in what circumstances. That's where state management comes in. And that's solid is giving hey, nifty. Huh? I'm sorry to cut you off, man, but I know some of us have like me. You gotta get to we're gonna I think close out here at the all right, no problem. No problem, no problem. All right, so I, that, that was it. That was it. That was it. So yeah, my my prediction is there's not a 10x beyond React, okay? Interesting. I've, and that's an interesting way to look at it. But as Anthony mentioned, we are we're coming up, I think, one minute till okay. the end of the space. Thank you for the contribution. Scott, you want to close us out? Absolutely. <clears throat> all right. Hey, thank you all so much for joining us today. Greatly appreciate everybody coming up and speaking as always. By the way, if you got value from anybody that was on today, be sure to follow them if you're not already following them, because guess what? You're probably going to get value from them in other places. So yeah, do that. Also, you know what? We wouldn't mind to follow on JavaScript Jam as well. We love that too. Yeah, next week we will be here again, Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Typically, we had been going for an hour, but we actually have extended this. We're going to be doing an hour and a half. And in the coming weeks, we, maybe we should put something out to get people's opinions, but we're thinking of doing something like, hey, how about we do a guest every other week and then this typical like open mic that we normally do every other week as well. And then maybe even introduce like having a half an hour up front where we just do open mic and then have a guest for the last hour or something like that. So yeah, we'd love to hear your thoughts and opinions because, you know, we want to serve you guys as best as possible and give you what you guys want too as well. So yeah, maybe we should put a poll out there or something. Maybe not. Either way, feel free to DM us or comment. We'd love to hear your opinions. And if you're listening to the recording, please still do the same. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. Greatly appreciate every single one on here. Thank you for our co-hosts. Let's give everybody a big round of applause. Woo! Some heart, some love, 100, all that good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much. Appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Always too fun. All right. Thanks, guys. See you in the next one.